Hey, I love therapy, and in fact, I've been going to therapy since I was around six years old. Though I talk about therapy a lot and may interview some therapists on the show on occasion, nothing that is said in this podcast should be considered a replacement for therapy. If you are struggling, I urge you to please seek guidance from a therapist because you are absolutely worth it. everyone you are listening to the wine dine and 69 podcast i am your host rachel dalton um trying really hard to not talk about the weather right away because i've realized that i always seem to do that but it kind of seems like there's like you know how like that's the natural thing that you talk about when you meet somebody you're like oh how about those like dodgers or whatever sports team is i don't know um it's just one of those natural things that comes up in small talk so it feels like the natural segue from me saying hello to me like word vomiting in this intro so uh the weather's not great right now here i was hoping it was going to be sunnier today i'm um hanging out with my boyfriend he's getting some work done i'm getting some work done and um i have my back to him so that he is not (laughs) looking at me and making me laugh while i record this um Anyway, so I have a really great episode for you today. I'm going to be talking to Marla, and we're going to be talking about rediscovering love of self after a big life event. Um, Before that, though, I actually was sent a video yesterday by said partner um, that was featuring Emily Nagoski, the author of Come As You Are, which I absolutely recommend. He was like, I want to know your thoughts on this. And I said, I don't even need to watch it to tell you that I will back anything that Emily Nagoski says. Um, But it's kind of about the sexual myth and how we've been thinking about desire all wrong. And I kind of thought that that would be an interesting thing to touch on because it's something that we've talked about in interviews here and there. You know, the fact that men aren't always ready to go, that there's this idea that the female orgasm is not real. Uh, There's lots of stuff out there, and this idea about pleasure and desire is one of them. So what Emily Nagoski says in this video, which I will, of course, link in the episode notes, is that there's two types of desire. There is responsive desire, and there is spontaneous desire. Spontaneous desire is exactly how it sounds. It's spontaneous, and responsive desire also sounds like what it is. It is what it sounds like. Um, But it's neither of them are right or wrong and you know there have been studies that talk about the different sexes you know falling more into one category versus the other um but you just need to know what you're working with this idea that you know for example like men are always ready to go or that it takes women forever that's not necessarily true uh it's important to know what you're working with and i think that we live in a society where we're kind of taught that spontaneous desire is natural because um, we live in a penis-centric society. Uh, but that's kind of the hard and fast rule is that that it's been on the spontaneous desire terms. Whereas responsive desire, it just takes more time. Um, it takes more time and it takes more effort. Uh, but it is totally worth it if you take that time and effort. And... That's why I always tell people to set a mood, right? Like you can light candles. It's it's about the ambiance. I always say, and I think we've said it on this show a lot, a woman's biggest sexual organ is her brain. Foreplay starts at breakfast. It's the long game, right? It's a there's this guy actually that I watch on TikTok and Instagram. Um, I think his name's Jimmy on relationships, and (laughs) the big thing that he kind of talks about is how men can be better husbands, boyfriends, um, and how that will actually improve their relationship. It's kind of about like the emotional load and the um, mental load that that many women carry. Uh, I'll link that in the episode notes too. But yeah, it's kind of an interesting thing to think about. Responsive desire, spontaneous desire. Which one do you fall into? Which one does your partner fall into? How can you accommodate that? Like if you're a more spontaneous desire person and your partner is more responsive, how do you work with that? Um, 
talk to them. I mean, talking about sex, we really need to normalize that. It's uh, if, if you're old enough to be having it, you're old enough to be talking about it, as my mother says. Um, so yeah, check out everything that I just mentioned in the episode notes, uh, the Emily Nagoski video and Jimmy on relationships. Um, I also was going to say, I was trying to think of what else I was going to say. I've been spending a lot of time on the, um, sex subreddit and I think that I'm going to have to unsubscribe to it because, um, the internet is a beautiful place full of so much information, but it also is dark and deeply, deeply stupid. And uh, a lot of people, I swear to God, if I have, if I see one more post about the pros of douching or men telling women how to clean their lady bits for the love of God, those, it's like nails on a chalkboard whenever I see one. I mean, sex education just really (laughs) is lacking and uh, it's a problem. Uh, but I digress. Yeah, so if you want to be enraged, um, go check out the sex subreddit because it will make you feel really good about yourself, but also terrified for humanity all at the same time. So um, make the choice. <laughs> choice is yours. With that, uh, today I'm going to be talking to Marla. Like I mentioned, Marla was in an accident a number of years ago that left her disabled. And that was really difficult for her as she was a single parent and a very, very busy person um, who was a nurse practitioner on her feet, working very hard, working a lot. And after she ended up going through the accident and going through the healing process, she kind of had to reinvent herself and learn how to love herself in this new state, have a lot of grace, um, and just kind of redefine the terms of her life. Uh, My favorite author says this quote, which is, uh, you don't have a right to the cards that you should have been dealt, but you do have an obligation to play the hell out of the hands that you're holding. Um, And I try to remember that a lot. Cheryl Strayed. Hey, Tiny Beautiful Things uh, releases today. Everybody should check that out. It's based on my favorite book. Okay. uh, And that actually falls really well into the tone of my episode with Marla. So I'm going to cut to a quick commercial break. um, And then, oh, I did want to mention too, uh, I have notes for, in the episode notes, I have an event. I'm going to link to an event that Marla has coming up on April 20th. So definitely check that out as well. Um, So now, finally, I'm going to cut to a quick commercial break. And please enjoy my conversation with Marla. Calling all citizens of Halcyon City. The newest generation of heroes are now painting the pages of Delinquent Comics, an actual play podcast in the game world of Masks, a new generation. Join our heroes as they struggle to build a team and save the city. Can Titan escape the shadow of his mentor burnout? Is Soul's overwhelming power too dangerous to control? Will Muse discover her past? And how does White Knight stomach all those strange snacks? Listen to Delinquent Comics to find out at allportsopen.com, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever podcasts are found. New issues become available to all citizens every other Monday. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I am very excited to have my guest here with me, Marla. Uh, We're going to be diving into a a self-love story today. And um, yeah, I'm excited to get started. So Marla, how how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, I We were talking a little bit before we recorded, like self-love is the base of everything. <laughs> so, yes. um, and sometimes we run into challenges that challenge our ability to love ourselves and our ability to have compassion for ourselves. And so, um, yeah, why don't you tell uh, me and the listeners a little bit about you and uh, what you do and how, how you've come to be here? Yeah, so I am a nurse practitioner and about... Five or six years ago on Memorial Day, it was a beautiful sunny day 
and I was driving on 75 South. And if you've ever been to Atlanta, you know that 75 can be a nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) It was the middle of the day. And um, even though it was the middle of the day, we were in stop and go traffic on a Friday. Um, I had taken the day off because we were moving into a new house. And um, I was I was so excited, tired of apartment living because um, we hadn't been in Georgia long. Okay. And um, so I was drinking my favorite drink, Baja Blast from Taco Bell. Oh, yes, the best. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> and um, I had just gotten my hair done, so you know I was looking all good. And um, there we we were in stop and go traffic. There was an eighteen wheeler behind me. And he was trying to get into the left lane because it had started moving. And he did not realize that we had stopped. So he rear-ended me and caused a four-car accident. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And on that day, I went from running around a busy oncology office um, to being disabled. And, I mean, it just has totally changed my life. And um, like, did you end up in the hospital for a period of time? Like, what what did that look like in the direct aftermath? No, um, I I was able to walk away from the accident. Um, It was, you know, as things usually do, you know, I I was hurting a little bit. I did go, you know, to be seen. And, you know, they said everything looked all right. But as the course of the weekend, you know, came, I started hurting more and more. And finally, by Monday, I was having difficulty walking. Oh, no. Um, Yeah. And just, you know, over the weeks and months of not working and me going, hey, can I go back to work? Hey, can I go back to work? (laughs) And I I even tried to go back to work, you know, against um, against doctor's advice. And I didn't even make it two hours before I was telling my doctor that I just I couldn't do it. You know, I tried, but I just couldn't do it. So, you know, I've had numerous pain management procedures. I have a stimulator in my back that tricks my brain into thinking that we're not in pain. Oh, gosh. Um, Yeah. And, um, you know, I continue to take medications. So, um, yeah, that's, you know, that's what we do. Yeah. It's wild how that, it's wild how one moment can change everything, right? Just, yeah. It's it's a complete turning point. Now, it sounds like you were you weren't in the car alone, correct? I was in the car alone, thankfully. You were um, okay. Yeah, yeah. My son was at daycare. Okay, no, that's that's uh, small blessings. Um, well, hmm, I guess I'm wondering what was your mood like in those initial? Like, how did that realization set in? that things had to change and that you weren't going to be able to go on as, as you had. Um, Just, I guess, emotionally and mentally, like what, what was that like? I was hopeless and I felt helpless. Um, I was depressed and um, I felt worthless. Right. Um, You know, I'm I'm a single mom, Um, was a single mom then And, um, you know, the sole, you know, breadwinner, you know, it's me Mm -hmm. and my son and my mom, um, had come to, um, help because, you know, I had to take call at night. So, you know, she would help me. Um, but you know, I was mostly responsible for the household. And so, you know, taking away that income was, you know, devastating. I mean, thankfully I had, um, you know, disability insurance, but, you know, going from, you know, making six figures to going to 70, 60, 70% of your income right, is, you know, is devastating. And then, you know, what they don't tell you when you're signing up for disability income is that it's not going to come immediately. Right. Right. Um, And then you have to, you know, fill out forms and then you have to wait for it to be approved you know, and you're like, you know, why are you approving anything when my doctor is the one saying I can't work? You know, why does it have to go through some kind of review through you, you know, to say, to decide whether or not you're going to pay my claim? Like I've paid into you for how many years? 
Yeah, that's a great point. That didn't even occur to me. But that's yes, you. <laughs> it's your money because you've given it to them already. Exactly. Exactly. Like, so how long did that take for you to start seeing the the funds show up? Um, man, I, I I know that it was weeks. Um, it it was too long. Um, I I don't even remember at this point because it was you know like I said it was years ago, but it was it it was a real hardship. Um, I mean to the point that you know we got behind on the mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know to the point that the there was a police officer that came to knock on the door and, you know, because one of my creditors had, you know, filed, you know, suit against me. And, you know, I can clearly remember that day, you know, I was so embarrassed because, you know, I went from always paying my bills, you know, from having a, you know, 750, 800 credit score to having a police officer knock on my door and deliver papers to me. And, you know, my son started running, you know, toward the door when, you know, the police officer did. And I, you know, I was mortified, you know, even though he was only like three and didn't understand, you know, I was still mortified. You know, no, nobody wants, you know, their child to, to know. And I mean, I know he didn't know, you know, right, that, right. that it was about, you know, a debt, but just the fact that a police officer had come to our house, you know, for me was was just a lot it was a lot it's it makes something that you see like you know when you're driving on the road or on tv it makes it really personal when it's at your door right so i can completely understand that well how how was that i mean how was parenting in the direct aftermath of that like i can't even imagine juggling all of that i mean i i checked out for a while i did Mm -hmm. Um, my mom and uh, my dad and my stepmom lived here at the time as well. Um, they lived about 45 minutes away. So my mom and my dad and stepmom basically parented for, you know, a while. And then I, I also had a friend who helped. Um, but I, you know, I just wasn't there because, you know, that was another thing I mourned. Not only was I mourning my career, I was mourning, I was mourning the parent that I thought that I was going to be. Right. And, you know, I couldn't be anymore. Like, you know, I, I couldn't or I still can't, you know, go out and kick a ball with my son. Um, I wasn't able to teach him how to ride a bike. Right. You know, I couldn't like run behind the bike, you know, like you see in the commercials. Right. Right. <laughs> um, you know, I'm not able to like throw and, you know, try to play baseball with him and run the bases. Um you know, and there are some days that I'm just tired and like I've done a lot, like doing laundry is a lot. Um, like I, I can't clean my own house. Um, you know, just things that I always took for granted, cleaning the mm-hmm. shower, you know, cleaning my walk-in shower. I, I can't do that, um, you know, because I can't get down on my hands and knees and, you know, scrub the floor, you know, I mean, I have to spray something and, you know, hope that it's clean enough. Yeah. <laughs> you know? We I don't mean, think about how like physical, like cleaning really is. Yeah. It's yeah. total. I mean, I just, uh, uh, this past week, my boyfriend came over and we had to clean my apartment cause I had a mouse infestation a couple months ago and it finally got solved. So I was like, all right, time to like do major spring cleaning. And I, we were exhausted. Mm-hmm. It takes so much out of you to to just clean. You have to get down on and ugh. No, I I completely empathize with that. Um, well, how, what was your what was your son's understanding of like what was happening? Did like how did uh, you communicate it to him? And how did uh, he? Because you know, kids kids are support even when they don't know that they're being supportive, right? They're like a, a spot of joy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He would just, he would come lay in bed with me and, um, you know, we would read or, you know, make silly faces on, um, TikTok wasn't popular back then. What's, what, what was that? Oh, that app. Snapchat, Snapchat. or Instagram. Snapchat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We would make silly faces on, um, Snapchat. Um, you know, he, I mean, he didn't, he didn't know, you know, I mean, we would just, you know, like be in bed and, you know, that, that was it. That's all, you know, he knew. So 
we just play in bed. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like, you know, my personal dream, but <laughs> when, when you're feeling, when, when it's your only option, it's kind of like when the pandemic happened and I was like, look, I would rather be at home, but I like the choice to either be yes. at home or not be at home and to choose to be at home. It's, it's that same thing. You want the choice to be in bed. You want it to be a luxury, not right. the norm. Right. So I get it. Right. Well, did you end up having like a, like aha moment where you realized something has to change? I can't, I can't go on like this. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I was, I was looking for a job because, you know, the, the maybe money from my long-term disability wasn't cutting it anymore. Um, and, and, you know, I still hadn't been approved for disability and, you know, that, that's another thing, um, you know, just in case there's a listener out there that, you know, is going to go through a similar thing, you know, when you get long-term disability and then you get disability from the state or government, um, you know, they're trying, you know, to stop paying you. You know, mm-hmm. your long-term disability is trying to stop paying you because they want the, the disability from the government to kick in. So they're trying to slow roll you, you know. I think my mom until, dealt with that too, actually. Man, it's, I mean, it was just, it was crazy, you know. Yeah. And and then, you know, that they tried to come back and come af- after me for some of the money they had paid me. Once what? Disability in. Oh, yeah. which like again you paid into that fund your entire life like oh gosh that is uh yeah that's that's another (laughs) that's another episode so gosh um, anyway yes um so so I was looking for a job and um I um had seen something about being a health coach And so I was like, okay, you know, let's look into this. I, you know, I can do this. So um, I called about it and set up an appointment. And so the lady was talking to me and um, I'll I'll never forget, you know, because we we were talking about it and she was like, you know, I mean, she said it really nicely um, because I know I'm not going to say it as eloquently as she did, but basically, you know, she told me, you know, in order to help others with their health, that I needed to be healthy too. Mm. And she was like, you know, not just healthy physically, but like in my mind. Right. And I was like, oh, 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 okay. <laughs> I was like, do I, do I sound that bad? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but I did. I sounded, I mean... I did. I mean, like I said, I was, I was, I felt hopeless and worthless and like, I, I was just tired and I was just going through the motions. Um, and so, you know, when she said that, I was like, okay. And she was like, so let's get you healthy first. And then, you know, you can work on helping other people. And I was like, okay. And I, you know, I didn't know what that meant. Like, I was like, well, what does that mean? Kind of a scary prospect, huh? Right? Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I was like, okay, I, I guess I could stand to lose a couple pounds. Because at that point, that's what I thought that meant. You know, I thought she meant lose some weight. So yeah, which like, like was, is just a small part of healthy. And she probably actually was more geared towards exactly. the, the mental part of it, right? Exactly. So, so I was like, oh, she, she wants me to lose some weight. Okay. I was like, yeah, you know, I just lay here. I, I could lose some weight. So, you know, I, you know, started working on getting myself healthy and I started losing weight. And as I did that, then I started feeling better. And then of course, with, with, with that um, program, you know, you also do the head work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had never done any personal development before. I mean, I know that's kind of weird to say, but, you know, I am 46 and I had never done any personal development before. I mean, that was now, but I mean, you know, we're talking about five years ago. So, yeah, I mean, I was 40 and had never done any personal development before because, you know, when I when I grew up, you know, personal development meant Tom Cruise, new age, you know, you know, hello. 
So, you know, I, I was, I was kind of afraid of personal development. You know, what did that mean? So, you know, when I started, you know, doing this, I was like, oh, okay. Personal development is not scary. <laughs> it's necessary. Like it's, it's hard. Biology, right. It's hard. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it, it was so necessary. It's hard and it was so necessary. And I am so thankful that, um, that I had that conversation, um, with Laura, with Lori and, um, and that I did the head work and that she helped me work through all that. Um, you know, and as a result, you know, I did end up losing weight, um, you know, and it was great. And, you know, somewhere in there, you know, when, when I started losing weight and was working, you know, doing the head work, I, you know, a thought came to me and it was, look, you know, you can either lay here and let the pain control you or you can get up and you can control the pain. So like, what are you going to do? Yeah, there are two options and one has you taking control and the other one is more passive and it's, yeah. it's your choice, right? Yeah. So, you know, got up and quit letting other people parent my son. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, you know, took a more active role and was like, you know, I can't just be here. Yeah, it hurts. But I, you know, I can't just be here. Yeah. And what, like, did that process look like on a day-to-day basis? I mean, you weren't going to work as a, as a nurse practitioner. So what, what did you do day-to-day to find some semblance of um, routine or habit to, to get you into that place to start making improvements? Well, at that point, um, I was doing health coaching. Um, so I was working, you know, on my health coaching business. So a lot of that was going to trainings. So, okay. you know, I was reading my book and I was going to, you know, listening to motivational stuff. I was going to trainings and I had community and, um, um, you know, that community really, you know, really, really helped. And then, um, you know, I, I got to the point where, um, you know, I was taking Sean to school. Um, my Sean's my son. Yes. So, okay. you know, I was taking him, you know, to and from school. And because um, for, for a long time after the accident, I, I didn't drive, um, not only because, you know, it hurt too much, but also, you know, I just didn't trust myself, you know, with the meds, um, you know, psychologically, because, you know, I was scared because of the completely traumatizing. Situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, so but finally, it came to a point that I had to drive. <laughs> I had to. <laughs> so. Um, so, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd take him to school. And, um, and what else would I do? Um, I don't know. I'd, I'd also just kind of lay around. I definitely watched less TV though during that time. That's so, good. So yeah. Yeah. I can see, I can see that, um, just changing patterns. It really can yeah. make it, do- it's so hard to do. It takes so much motivation and discipline that I only have certain days of the week apparently but uh it really it really can make a difference uh when you start to you know make those small changes you you do start to feel it in a bigger bigger way yeah well I guess I'm wondering so you worked as a nurse practitioner for a very long time before before the accident uh how how did your work, your previous work as a nurse practitioner, impact your process of healing and coming back to yourself? Mm, man, um, you know, going from nurse practitioner to patient has sucked. That's just the best way I can say it. I bet. <laughs> um, but it also has really opened my eyes. Um you know, you hear the statistics about how women are treated um, in medicine and, um, you know, like about how their pain is um, yes. not taken as seriously. And, you know, especially like women of color. Mm-hmm. And but, you know, when you're a provider, you know, you're like, oh, that's not me. Or you're like, OK, that statistics, 
you know, but that's not happening here or, right. you know, any variety of things. But when you're a patient and it's happening to you, like it's a whole different ball game, right? You're totally. like, kind of like, you know, we were talking about with the policeman at the door, right? It's no longer the movie. It's happening exactly. Um, and so it, it's just kind of been surreal. Um, but the positive thing is, is that it sparked um, a desire for ab- advocacy in me because um, I don't want to be super negative with this because I don't think that some healthcare providers try to quote unquote get away with things, you know, on purpose. I think that they're just used to being, I think a lot of healthcare providers have a type A personality, right? Totally. Yep. And so, you know, they're just used to telling you what to do and then going about your day, going to the next person, telling them what to do and going about their day. Right. Um, And they kind of forget about the fact that like you have options, you know, you're not just like a, I don't know, you're a person, like right. not just a, a being, you know, that, that, that somebody needs to figure out this puzzle for you're a person, the whole person needs to be treated. So you know, they need to be more focused on the whole person instead of just the puzzle that needs to be mm-hmm. figured out. Absolutely. And in that, you know, care care needs to be more personalized instead of, you know, just, you know, okay, a checklist, right? Um, yeah. And so, you know, I mean, I've experienced that, you know, a doctor coming in and going, okay, you know, we're going to do this, this, and this, and this, and this, and then goodbye. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> like, Walk me hello. through that slower, please. Right. Like, um, I know I'm in healthcare, but do you know that? Like, do, do you know that, you know, I'm not just, you know, the average patient that doesn't know what in the world you just talked about? That's true. That's true. You know, right? Like, like, like you said, like, talk me through it. Explain it to me. Like, do I even have an option? Um, like, is this your opinion or is this just what we're doing today? Like, I, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's just been frustrating in that way, especially before, you know, I got on disability and, you know, they were making, you know, b- before anybody would tell me whether or not I could go back to work. Like, you know, I kept asking, you know, different people, hey, can I go back to work? Can I go back to work? And everybody would give me different answers. Of course. Okay, we'll see next week. Well, why don't you ask your primary care provider? Then the primary care provider would go, well, I don't know why they're telling you to ask me when you're seeing, you know, primarily, you know, pain management. So why don't you ask them? So then I go back to pain management. Hey, you know, can, can I go back to work? I don't, I don't think so. You know, let's, you know, let's do this procedure and see if you get any relief. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, are, are you going to write me a note? Um, okay. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, you're just going around circles and circles and circles and circles and circles and circles. And, and, you know, it's just like, no, like somebody has to take responsibility for you yes. because yep. there is no so-called disability doctors out there. That's true. Yeah. And like nobody wants to touch you and be responsible when you're on disability. Yeah. All all fair points. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm sure that that, you know, that your mom that or that you know, you know, a lot of this since since, you know, I think you mentioned that your mom's on disability. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's just so so frustrating. But um but back to your question. Um, but yeah, so one of my passion projects that that you know that I'm currently working on in addition to you know my continuing education business is that you know I really want to start an ad, an advocacy business you know just so people have somebody to ask hey is there another way hey is there another option um you know or like hey my doctor prescribed me um a medication that costs $200 
Like, mm. do I have to miss a meal this month to right. take it? I mean, because that's real. That's very real. That's real. Or is, you know, or is there an alternative? I mean, because the average Joe does not know that these medications that cost a lot of money sometimes have patient assistance. Right, right. You there know, are lots of tools and your doctors, I mean, your doctors generally don't consider those things. They're just like, right. well, this is the medicine. So like that's on your insurance to figure out. And then you're at the pharmacy and they tell you that something, what something costs and it's the first you're hearing of it. Exactly, exactly. And and that's because they're not thinking of personal care. They're right. thinking of the checklist. Right. And, and like I said, I, I really don't mean that to be negative. I really don't. Because, you know, I mean, there's lots of flaws in the healthcare system. You know, one of them being insurance and, you know, how much insurance has their hands in healthcare. Ugh, and, yeah. you know, yeah, we that would be another episode too. So, <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm just saying, you know, something has to change. And I, I just, I want to be part of the change. I, I want to help people understand that they do at least have a choice and they have somebody, you know, to ask if they have a choice. Um, you know, instead of being like, you know, well, I don't know, you know, Dr. X has been my doctor for six years. And so I trust him. And so we'll just do whatever he says to do. Well, you know, Dr. X may not know the latest and greatest. And maybe, maybe you need to get a second opinion. Lots of people don't go get a second opinion. You know, I mean, right. You know, it's okay to get a second opinion. You're not going to hurt Dr. X's feelings or his pocket. No, <laughs> Dr. X is going to be just fine. <laughs> He'll be just fine. So, you know, it is funny that you mentioned, you know, the bedside manner and, and how that, um, can can lack sometimes in some professionals. You know, there are some doctors out there who doctors are humans too, right? Like so there are yeah. going to be doctors who are able to look at things in that way and there are going to be people who are focused more on the checklist and people who, you know, are able to look holistically at, at an individual. But it's interesting because I've found in my past that I actually prefer when my primary um, physician is a nurse practitioner. Because in general, I find that the bedside manner is much better. Mm-hmm. And I, I wasn't sure like why that was. Um, but it's just something that I found that I'm like, oh, I, I really, really like working with, with nurse practitioners. Um, and that bit about the pain too. I mean, you were saying there's all these studies out there. I was just talking with my therapist yesterday about um, how – like I've been thinking about like my contraception options, right? And mm-hmm. the IUD, there are so many articles out there about the pain that women mm-hmm. go through with the insertion of an IUD, but doctors don't really take it seriously. They're just like, oh, mm-hmm. just like take a couple of Tylenol. Mm-hmm. You'll be fine. Yeah. And yeah. just the fact that like you said that I was like, oh my gosh, I was just talking about this yesterday that – there's like this this lack or this wall of being able to say, okay, well, even if you as a doctor think that maybe they just need Tylenol, maybe this person who's been living in their body for, in my case, 33 years, you know, maybe she has a sense of how, what her pain tolerance is and what she can handle and what she can't. And she knows this about herself. And so she's asking for this because she knows herself. Exactly. This idea exactly. that like doctors understand a human body, but individuals understand their personal bodies. They've been living in them for their entire lives. Absolutely. 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 And and that's got to count for something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like just because I don't have a, a medical degree doesn't mean that I don't understand how my body reacts to, to medications and all of that. So um, it would be easier, right? And every time that like you have a job, you may enter the job because you want to do real good in the world. Like I imagine many doctors do enter the field. But, you know, it it becomes monotonous. It becomes your day to day. It's a job, you know, and uh, sometimes I think that that gets lost in every yeah. in every field, not just in the medical field, but interesting. Well, 
In terms of your self-love practice, did your past as a nurse practitioner play into that at all? Um, I don't think, I, I don't think so. Um, no? I mean, well, well, like I said, you know, I, I, I really had to mourn my career because, you know, my worth as a person was so tied to being a nurse. You know, um, because I all I, I was one of those the few that always knew I wanted to be a nurse. Mm. Um, you know, my mom asked me when I was you know a little girl, you know, a five or something. You know, what do you want to be? I want to be a nurse. <laughs> um, so that was so tied to my identity as a person that when it was taken away, it was so. I, I was I didn't know who I was anymore. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I was a mom, you know, but other than being a mom, like who was I? You know, I, I just I I I didn't know. Um, and I tried to do a lot of things to find out. Like I I mean, I knew that I still wanted to help people, um, you know, because I've always wanted to help people. Right. So I tried like you know, the MLMs, like, you know, I tried selling clothes. I was like, well, that still helps people. No, that, that didn't work for me. So I like, <laughs> you know, tried selling books. That still helps people. No, that, that didn't work for me. Um, you know, I, I just, it, it just didn't work. Um, and then, you know, I ended up, you know, like with my continuing education company, it's, it's, it's still tied to being a nurse. And then, you know, the other, you know, my passion project, like being a patient advocate, that's still tied to being yeah. there. Well, it sounds like that's something you've known about yourself your entire life. It would make sense that everything that you're doing, you know, outside of outside of that is also tied to that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, how would you say that you're a different person now, like internally, than you were before the accident? How have you changed? Oh, man. I was angry. Um, mm. Man, I, you know, th there were a lot of things that happened before the accident. Um, and um, yeah, I was, I was angry. Um, and I, you know, I had some unresolved feelings about, about some things that I just hadn't gotten over that I thought sure. that I had resolved. <laughs> God, I'm familiar and, with that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I thought, you know, I was like, yeah, fix that. No, no, I didn't. So yeah, I was, I was, I was angry and um, yeah, I was a little sad, but I, I mean, I was functioning, right. I was going to work every day, you know, I was having fun with my patients and, you know, coming home and having fun with my son. I was, I was also tired. Um, you know, I felt a little defeated at work. Um, yeah, I, I, I did feel a little defeated at work. But I mean, uh, other than that, you know, I mean, I, you know, I, I was okay. But I wasn't, I wasn't as optimistic as I am now, for sure. Hmm. For sure. It took, it took this accident to, well, force me to have personal development, right? So, you know, I had to stop and I had to work on myself and really look at things. Um, I am a sensitive person and usually when I get mad, um, I cry, you know, I cry mm -hmm. at the drop of a hat and, um, since the accident, it is much more, it's more well-controlled. Yeah. That's not, that's proper English. <laughs> yeah, you got it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, and again, you know, that's from personal development. Um, you know, yeah, because before, you know, in any, actually anything, mad, you know, sad, anything, I would just start crying because I didn't, I didn't know how to communicate how I was feeling. Right, right. And I felt like nobody, nobody wanted to hear how I was feeling anyway. So I'll just shut down and I'll cry. Mm. Um, you know, and the, the anger piece, I didn't even know I was angry 
um, you know, until I, I went to a therapist, you know, after the accident. And, um, you know, she's the one that, you know, pointed out that I was so angry. And I was like, oh, I, I guess you're, I know I fixed Go that. figure. <laughs> <laughs> right? I was like, no, no, I fixed that. Are you sure I'm angry? <laughs> she was like, yeah, yeah, you're still angry. I was oh, okay. All right. All right. But yeah, I'm, uh, yeah. And then, you know, the positivity, um, you know, it, it used to be some, something would happen and I would be like, man, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to fix that. You know, the world's, the sky is falling, but you know, but now I'm just like, you know, Hey, it's, it's going to work out, you know, you know, and people have stuff that happens, you know, worse than I've been through, you know, so it's going to work out. Some perspective. Um, yeah. yeah. Human beings are remarkably resilient. Yes. Um, we just, we take things in stride and push through even when we feel like the world is ending. Um, it doesn't, you know, and we, we end up coming out stronger as a result. But you couldn't have told me that before the accident. No, I mean, people (laughs) say that, right? Like I, I, I had a really bad year, like a year and a half ago, I was, I was in a really, really low point. People were like, oh, like, you know, you'll come out the other side. And I mean, they didn't say it like that flippantly, but they were trying to be encouraging and say like, and you're just like, shut the fuck up. Like, no, I'm not. Like, Yes, absolutely. You're like, what? Yeah, whatever. (laughs) So like, I I get it. Like when you're, when you're in it, you just need to be in it. And in fact, it's healthier to be in it and allow yourself to feel those feelings fully. Because if you don't, you're just going to have to deal with them, you know, 10 years from now. Right. Later. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. Well, why don't you tell um, me and the listeners a little bit about like the work that you are doing now and um, what that looks like. Just I know we've kind of skimmed over a little bit, but in just a little more detail. Yeah. So I have a continuing education um, company and for nurses and nurse practitioners Um, And so nurses and nurse practitioners need those continuing education credits in order to renew their licenses and obtain certifications. Um, So I love doing that because I get to talk to my peers and be among my peers. And um, the way that we do those continuing educations is that I have in-person and online events. And actually, I am having an online event April 20th, we're doing a free um, one and a half, 1.5 CEU about alternative approaches to health and well-being. And actually anybody can come to that. So, and um, they can register on my, on my website. So, but it's absolutely free. Oh, cool. Okay. I'm going to make a note of that to health and well-being. Great. All right. So, and then um, what is the patient advocacy? What's, what's that looking like right now? Yeah, I, I don't have it structured yet because I, I I want to do something where, you know, like I can have a foundation for people who can't afford me. And, um, you know, my, my continuing education business is totally self-funded. And so, Amazing. you know, being on disability, you know, I can't self-fund another business. <laughs> no, I, I get that. Yeah. No, I so, get that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm trying desperately to get a grant to keep my continuing education business, you know, open. So, um, you know, I, I just, I need some funding in, in order to do the advocacy business and, um, you know, and see where it goes. But that's, I mean, that's really where my heart is, is to yeah. do something with that. Cause there's really nothing like that out there. There are some advocacy businesses, but they target certain disease processes. Like there's kidney, you know, kidney advocacy and, you know, certain, things, you know, there might be individuals that like will help you through like the entire process, but nobody that like you can really call and like just talk to. Right. So, right. you know, I don't know. Just Yeah, um, that's important work. Yeah. It, it'll happen because, you know, it, it's been on my heart for like three years. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's not going away anytime soon. You can't let go of that. Yeah, no. Well, Marla, what advice would you give for somebody who has gone through a tumultuous event like you did? I mean, what what you experienced was like trauma. It was it was trauma. Um, what advice would you give for somebody who you know had this life? They had this idea about the the person that they were and the life that they were going to have, and then something happened that made them have to reevaluate everything. I would 
say to give yourself some grace. Um, you know, healing and acceptance uh, does not come overnight for something like that. Mm-hmm. It, it takes time. And then to go through the grief stages, you know, you go back and forth and up and down <laughs> all around and it's okay. Um, it's, it's really okay. The other thing that I would tell somebody is people mean well, your family mean well, other people, outside people mean well. Um, but, you know, ask, ask for what you need. Um, and, you know, nobody really knows how to help you. Some, some people feel really helpless in the situation. So, you know, don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, and, you know, just know that, you know, people are just doing the best that they can and, you know, aren't mind readers. Yeah. I think that's a good point too. give, give yourself grace and also give grace to, to others. Others. Yeah. I mean that, you know, asking for help is really hard for me. That's Mm -hmm. that's another hard thing for type A's, but, you know, just, you know, we got to do it. We, we got to, like you said, not mind readers. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Can't judge people as mind readers either. So no, no. Yeah, we're all we're all just trying to do the best that the best that we can at the end of the day. Exactly. 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 Well, uh, Marla, where can people find you if they want to, you know, learn more about you, learn more about uh, your business? Um, yeah, this is your time to kind of just promote yourself. Yeah. So my website is educatrixseminars.com. So it's E D U C A T R I X is an X ray. Seminars with an S on the end.com. And then I'm on all platforms except for TikTok at educatrix A as an Apple, P as in Paul, S as in Sam. And then TikTok is educatrix seminars. So come check me out. Educatrix APS on everything but TikTok and then Educatrix on TikTok. Educatrix seminars on TikTok. On TikTok. All right. Amazing. Well, Marla, thank you so much for your time and your vulnerability. Um, I think it's really incredible what you've done um, to take this experience and and want to turn it into something to help other people. Um, And I know there are tons of people out there who are going to to benefit from it ultimately. Well, thank you so much for, for giving me the platform to to speak. I, I really appreciate it, Rachel. Thank you. Yeah, anytime. And um, thank you, listeners, for being here today. You've been listening to Wine, Dine, and 69. I am your host, Rachel Dalton, and let's keep talking. Mm-hmm.